0: Hello and welcome to Media M D, your weekly dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And this fortnight we'll be checking in on our read of the Princess Bride. So Elliot, did you finish it?
1: I did. Uh I I got uh, I skipped the introduction and I was meaning to come back to it, but then I forgot until about five minutes ago. So I did not read the twenty <laughs> fifth anniversary special mm. introduction. Mm. Okay. But apart from that yeah i even got through the first chapter of the sequel yes
0: which also doesn't exist (laughs) that's it's interesting to me um the original version that i when i read this book didn't have that and then uh they they re-released a version with a a nice cover and and all this stuff um and it had this additional chapter at the end which is from in air quotes the sequel to the book um and it's very bizarre yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: um yeah it is i mean that's sort of a whole thing we can get into but maybe we should save that for later because it's because it's after
0: well let's just start with what did you think of it
1: yeah no i i quite enjoyed this um yeah i mean i i kind of it took me a while to get started mostly because i had to track down a copy and i eventually found one in a library nearby so i had to join a library which is something you can still do Then you know, then sort of chewed my way through it pretty quickly because it was pretty captivating. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: But so I guess to to start with the plot summary, as is traditional. um, Sure. I mean, like, have you not seen the movie? That that was to the listeners, like (laughs) you know, uh, because I mean, just go and watch that. That that pretty much covers it. Um, Yep. It's basically a sort of intentionally over the top fairy tale is sort of how I'd describe it. Um, Yep. You know, there's a a girl who lives on a farm and there's a a sort of slave farm boy on the farm and she treats him like shit all the time. And so then for some reason he likes her and then somehow they have true love um, and (laughs) then a whole bunch of shenanigans ensue because she has to marry a prince and he becomes a pirate and then they live happily ever after.
0: Yep. Well, I mean, until the sequel, am <laughs> um, yeah, I right? It's again. Yeah, I'd kind of describe it as a mix of an adventure book and a fairy tale. Uh, but yeah, Over the Top is definitely a descriptor that I would apply to it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and I mean, because that's the thing. It, this book, to me, it seems to be simultaneously kind of mocking and, and parroting uh, fairy tales and, and sort of, you know, Over the Top traditional stories while at the same time celebrating them it's like mm. it's one of those it's one of those things that's both celebrating it and kind of highlighting the weaknesses which probably also comes from a place of love like you know he he clearly William Goldman I, I haven't really seen or read much of his other stuff but he clearly loves storytelling and this this book is sort of coming from that place and, and pointing out the the traps storytellers can fall into as a part of celebrating that love of stories.
0: Yeah, so that's our plot summary. I, I, I am curious <laughs> to know what you thought of. It. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, R- watch the movie, guys. Like it's pretty yeah. I don't well. Yeah, well, and so
1: actually, I, I rewatched the movie last night, the night before we we're recording. Um, oh, nice. after finishing the book, just to sort of because it had been years since I saw the movie, and I just thought I should refresh myself on that as well after having finished the book.
0: Give us the goss. What's the comparison?
1: Yeah. Um. So, I think. it's definitely it's a great adaptation like i think this is something we've talked a bit about on the podcast before but Mm. in terms of something particularly turning a book into a movie it can be quite hard to sort of really capture what makes the book great and i guess having william goldman behind the scenes on both did do a really good job of sort of capturing the essence Mm. but there's definitely i mean i I think you said this in in our um prescription um the, the books just Get to well, a book just gets to go into things a bit more and develop things and get you more invested, and that's just kind of missing from a movie. And that's that's not really the adaptation's fault. That's the fault of the fact that they had to cram it all into 90 minutes. Um
0: Yeah, I think one good example of of that is um in the book, as you start to meet Fezick and Inigo on their kind of on this weird cliffs of insanity, um you just dive into their backstories for like a chapter, <laughs> and it, it really helps to flesh out these well-rounded characters.
1: Yeah, what the book does is is just sort of cut away. It'll be like uh, the man in black, who surprise twist is Wesley. <gasps> um, no. We did say spoilers. Um, <laughs> did it, <he>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just did. Um, <laughs> spoilers. We'll edit that back in so it's earlier, and then I won't have yeah, lied. Yeah, just before Wesley sort of encounters each one, like, um, you know, before he fights Fezzik, it cuts back and gives us all of Fezzik's backstory, whereas the movie just kind of crams that into a 30-second bit of expositionary dialogue right yeah. before the fight. Yeah. And that obviously doesn't work as well, but it's probably as well the as they, they could <laughs> can reasonably do in the movie without yeah. just completely breaking momentum because it's in, it's more important to keep that momentum in the movie than it would be in the book. Yeah, um, um and th- there were a few weird arbitrary changes. Like, there's there's a bit where Buttercup falls in the water, sort of right right near the start, and there's sharks in the water, and you know eventually she gets out, and, and but then they changed it to eels in the movie. Oh, yeah, the and I, I never really understood eels. why. That seems yeah. very arbitrary. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not. It's not. I'm not really saying that as a criticism. It just was weird. I was. I don't know why they changed that.
0: Yeah, and. Uh, t- is there any differences between uh, it, for the Zoo of Death?
1: Yeah, the Zoo of Death, the, the Zoo of Death isn't in the movie. Um, like they just call it the Pit of Despair, and it's just like
0: oh, that's right, one yeah, little
1: yeah, room. Yeah. They they take they because that was one thing in the movie. They sort of reference Prince Humperdinck's um, hunting like a handful of times, but you never actually yeah. It kind of comes out of nowhere there. Whereas in the book, like this entire paragraphs early on dedicated to sort of setting up prince humperdinck as this guy who loves to hunt and they skipped that part yeah.
0: and wakes up every morning like wrestling orangutans and shit
1: yeah exactly and yes. and yeah they just completely skipped that in the movie and so then in the second half occasionally people reference his his hunting prowess and if you don't have the book knowledge, it just sort of seems like random details that don't actually mean anything.
0: <laughs> just a random fact that's thrown in to try and to flesh out the character. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, I, I, I think, think
1: the other thing—the other, thing, other thing I thought worked much better in the books than it did in the sh- in the movie was um, hmm. when Buttercup and Wesley end up sort of stuck in the fire swamp. Hmm. Um, it talks for ages about how they're being stalked by these R-O-U-S-s. Yeah. And it never actually tells you what those are. And um <laughs> so you sort of like I was just wondering, I was like, did I did I miss it? And I was reading things and I'm like, oh my god, this is so tense. And then it turns out to be like 80 pound rats that that are terrifying. Yeah. Whereas obviously in the movie it doesn't quite work as well because it just it just shows giant rats sort of following them. And and I mean that's mm. cool, but I really liked the way the book just called them by that abbreviation ROUS, so you're sitting there going oh my god what are these things and and just sort of internally panicking
0: the other thing i remember about the fire swamp is they spend time talking about how it's like the place that parents will threaten to send their kids to if they're bad (laughs) yeah it's like this built up as this um almost mythical level of danger and evil and I, I think this is kind of symptomatic of of the the main thing that makes the book better than the movie which is just I, I, it just f- gets everything it, its own space a lot more like the yeah. book has more space to make things better. <laughs> mm.
1: No, I mean, definitely. Um but yeah, no the wait, like, I'd say I'd definitely say the book is better than the film but the film is a great adaptation. Like I'd almost oh, totally. I'd almost be tempted to in the future, if somebody hadn't seen the movie or read the book, I'd probably just get them to watch the movie. Or if somebody if you know somebody who likes the movie, then it would be like, well, you should read the book because it's just like a better version. Yeah. But I'd probably still start with the movie because it's so good and then it's like if people like it, then you sort of go the next level up by just
0: reading the book. And and I think the movie is more accessible. I mean the I love the book, but the the, <laughs> the weird framing device. Uh, yeah it it definitely makes it a bit of a weirder experience to recommend to someone
1: <laughs> and and that's that's a good segue to to start talking about that because I think this is going to be a whole thing um i mean this yeah this so this whole framing device where he's pretending to be abridging something that a fake author wrote that <laughs> I'm really <laughs> glad you, you told, because sort of reading all of this, I was sitting there and I was thinking, oh, this, this is so obviously fake. Like, how do people fall for this? But, I mean, you had told me, and I, I honestly, I can't sit here and 100% confidently say that if you had not told me, I would not yeah. have fallen for part of this and tried to Google where Florin used to be in Europe. Um,
0: yeah, Because he, very he does really...
1: Yeah. Uh he, yeah, he just uh, he just carries on. And so it sort of takes like a few forms. Um so that, yeah, the opening of the book is basically William Goldman just talking about a kind of fake version of his life, but he throws in enough real details. That I actually <laughs> did have to google it to confirm. Yeah. What he cuz like he, sto- he talks about things like working on the Stepford wives, which I I knew for a fact that he had actually worked on but mm. then like he makes up a son and a fake version of his wife who he seems to really hate.
0: Um, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> if I was married to him, I I would it would be hard not to read into, <laughs> into Especially that especially
1: track. since I don't know if his real wife is is a psychiatrist like his fake wife, but mm. um it would be hard not to overanalyze that if if yeah, you were definitely. actually married to him. Yeah. Um and so so that stuff still kind of got me, but um yeah, so he he sort of st- opens up talking about this sort of fake variation of his life um, and why the book matters to him and and why he ended up trying to abridge this fake original version.
0: Yeah.
1: And then you get into the actual book or the abridged version of the actual book that's not real. Um, (laughs) And it's great because it's like the story and then the original author, who's not real, Includes all of these asides in brackets, and then you also have William Goldman's asides as the abridging author, yeah. And so it's just sort of layer upon layer of meta jokes about this story <laughs> and, and what it's all about, <laughs> and this and it's fictional hilarious. world, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And so, so in particular, like he, he, I loved the bits where it would just cut to William Goldman. He's like, you know, so what I've done here is just cut like 70 pages of, um, you know, people talking about trees um, because mm. it was so boring. And, and you know, and the professors of um, S. Morgenstern, who's the original author at Columbia University, told me that I was missing the point and it was actually super interesting satire, but, you know, I just thought it was boring, <laughs> so I cut it. And he's just yeah. creating, like, fights that he's having with professors of a made-up field um, <laughs> trying yeah. to justify why he cut bits, and it's so nonsensical. It's great. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I, I really do like the dynamic of of his editor's notes as well as just the style that the original, in air quotes, is written in um, Yeah. with the, like, asides and stuff. Like, uh, at the start of the book... There's a lot of stuff where where s Morganstern, let's say is setting the scene and saying things like oh this was before taxes but after France yeah to like <laughs> to like frame the time period and it doesn't really make any sense. Well,
1: and they're all contradictory like he'll say, you know this is yeah sort of after taxes but before France and then later on he talks about how it was like after light bulbs or something and I was like, I'm I'm pretty sure France is around <laughs> before light bulbs like you know he's just he's yeah.
0: just making shit up. yeah it's yeah it it, yeah i love this book elliot it's great (laughs) um
1: yeah i mean there's one bit i think it's it's actually like the second or third chapter i've got this copy sitting in front of me but i won't i won't Mm. make you sit here while i spend five minutes finding the second chapter um but he just cuts out the whole chapter so the entire chapter is just one page of him bragging on how shit the chapter was um (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's kind of great yeah. as well particularly when you sort of get into the sequel because in the first one he he's actually quite hostile towards s morgan for the bits he's cut whereas sort of a, as he goes into in the sequel he was a bit a bit under a bit more pressure when uh abridging the sequel so he gets a little bit more defensive and insecure about why he has to cut bits um <laughs> which is a great little change yeah um but it's and it's also great, sort of just from and like looking at it from the real life William Goldman sort of thing. It comes back to that whole thing about how he wants to just celebrate storytelling because what it allows him to do is just cut out the bits that he doesn't want to write or or doesn't actually want to flesh out and just sort of put them. Summarize them in a little aside, but make it that it's not his fault; it's this yeah. other original author's fault the for making it so version. terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he just gets to skip the the so called boring bits and be like, "Oh, well, it's not my fault; it's the original author who fucked it up." Um, yeah. which is pretty funny.
0: One of the other things that lets him do is kind of complain about the whole book writing process and like editors yeah. and all that stuff in a way that you wouldn't see so self aware <laughs> in in <laughs> traditional novels
1: yeah that's true um those those bits are great and yeah like you said the sort of the asides by s morgan stern the original author are just a a great particularly when he's over sort of clarifying things like there's one bit where (laughs) um they get given this pill to bring wesley back to life and it's meant to work for 60 minutes and then after they leave the guy who made the pill remembers that actually it's only going to work for 40 Mm. and then for over the next chapter, there's probably about 30 references to them saying, oh, we only have like 60 minutes or 55 minutes at every single time. There's a little thing in brackets being like, but actually it was only like 35 <laughs> minutes because they 35. didn't know that they had to. <laughs> and yeah. like, like, I think I must have read the phrase like, but they didn't know that about this 20 minute time <laughs> difference, like, like 20 <laughs> <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah. Uh-uh. And I mean, yeah. you know, the uh, the, ca- the characters in this book are pretty good. Um. Actually, ironically, I'd say Wesley and um, Buttercup are, are probably the least interesting, um, mm. despite being yeah, sort of the that. two mains. Like, uh, physique is fascinating. Um, God, I've just realizing I don't really know how to say his say his name out. Inigo,
0: Inigo Montoya
1: is, yeah, he he was he was great. Um, yes, the bad guys like the Sicilian and Humperdinck and even Count Rugen. Mm. Um are all, are all pretty interesting. They're all sort of over the top, but their shticks are kind of interesting enough to
0: make them work well. Yeah, the it's just it's, it's to me is every character is the best in the world at something. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, he does love sort of being like like setting everyone up. Like even um Miracle Max, the guy who's only really in like one and a half yeah. scenes, is just established as far and away the best miracle man to have ever existed and um you know yeah physique is the strongest and uh vizzini is the smartest and yeah he he likes to and and i mean that's sort of that classic sort of fairy tale thing where you just sort of talk everyone up and and they're all the 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 grandest and because it it like raises the stakes when everyone's the best at everything
0: (laughs) yeah it's that's the thing about this book is that it revels in its own kind of ridiculousness and and uh, yeah, self-aggrandizing.
1: Yeah, it it does, and I and because I like, like I said, I think that's all part of its way of celebrating that sort of thing while at the same time pointing out the stupidity of some of it.
0: Mm. Um, um,
1: and so I actually, talk- I just wanted to to quickly point out, I've just I've just noticed this, um, staring oh, yeah. at my copy of The Princess Bride. This is how deep the whole sort of uh, fakeness of it goes. So this this copy of, of mine on the back has, you know, sorts of various reviews. So it's like mm. a whacking, charming, and funny fable by The New York Times and and stuff like that. And the last one is, uh, 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 it's, it's very long, so I'm not going to read it, but it's by Henryd Pavel, author of The Middle Morgenstern. So he's managed to include <laughs> a fake quote by someone from a fake publication that just fits into this fake world that he's created in his book, which is just, Mm. yeah. I mean, that kind of summarizes it up a bit, I think.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah. We could talk about, I think I could talk about the things I love about this book forever, Um, (laughs) but in the interest of of making a podcast, uh, do you have anything that you want to point out that you didn't like about the book, Elliot? And it's okay Um, to say no. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, so I mean, like I said, I thought like Wesley and and Buttercup sort of fell a bit flat for me. Like, obviously, I, and I mean, the book sort of mentions this every now and then, but their their whole relationship is obviously a bit ridiculous, and and I mean, <laughs> objectively not a healthy one. Um, yep. Which sort of fits into that whole fairy tale genre that it's sort of trying to celebrate. Because I mean, if you think mm. back to like every disney princess movie like most of those weren't particularly genuine and healthy relationships either um
0: yeah
1: but it's still it just kind of like i mean buttercup was such a terrible person for most of it it just kind of makes it a bit ridiculous that everyone's (laughs) doing all this stuff for her (laughs) (laughs) and she's just she's just such a terrible person to everyone and similarly like wesley the way he just sort of goes away for a few years and comes back and he's better than everyone at everything. Um, (laughs) It was kind of funny, but at the same time I'm kind of like, but this invalidate, like we we get Inigo's whole backstory about how great he is at swordsmanship and how much Mm. he's trained for fencing. And then Wesley has gone away for a few years, kind of mostly done other stuff, but is still better than him. And it kind of invalidates everything that we've just read.
0: Everything that he's done, (laughs) yeah.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd probably say that was my my weakest thing. I've also, I mean, this is something that goes back to the movie, but I often forget that the second half of the movie exists. Like, when I picture the the Princess Bride, the movie, I'm really picturing that first half, which is Wesley just sort of chasing after the people who've kidnapped Buttercup. And then it's like every time I watch it, I kind of get surprised that there's all this shit afterwards in Florin.
0: About the wedding Uh, and everything.
1: Yeah, just because, I mean, it, it... it's it's like a weird structure and I, this isn't really a criticism it just sort of always catches me off guard but it kind of feels like it's it's a little bit inverted in a way cuz you end up with this epic tale of Wesley going and saving her from mm. kidnappers at the start and then the second half is where like all this terrible stuff happens to both of them and it's actually really bad and they sort of barely escape and all that so it's um it's always just yeah. felt like a weird weird pacing and weird structure to me.
0: Mm. Interesting. I never really thought about that, but it it is like the epic chase, and then that kind of ends after they get through the the, the fire swamp, and then <laughs> yeah. the, the story does kind of twist around.
1: Um, and I mean, you know, there's there's probably you could probably talk that into something about inverting fairy tale tropes and, and all that, but I, it just yeah. it always catches me off guard.
0: Yeah, I mean, we start following Enigo and physic. Yeah, fair, interesting. I don't know how valid it is to criticise the, the realism of the movie, just in the <laughs> sense of <laughs> it's clearly <laughs> meant to be quite ridiculous. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, they sort of they, they played that up even a bit more because, like, watching the movie, they had sort of much more comedic twists on people like Miracle Max and stuff. Mm. Like, they all felt a bit more played up and, and more like comedy relief characters, whereas in the book they were more, like, sort of well-rounded out type characters yeah but again that's probably the movie just having to cut
0: corners (laughs) um cool so overall what what are you what are your thoughts
1: um yeah i mean this is a pretty good book like like i said if if people haven't seen the movie i'd probably recommend that first and then if they like it i'd suggest this as a way to sort of keep digging um Mm. but i guess i'm here to review the book so I mean I'll give this an eight I guess. Hmm. Honestly, I haven't thought about it till now. I probably should have, but that's just my gut instinct.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Cool. Um, but before we before we end, um, I, I said we'd talk about the sequel, the whole sequel thing mm. later. Um. Oh yeah, sure. And and I just I just wanted to bring it up because the backstory part to the sequel was was possibly one of my favorite parts. Um. Mm. Which is just he he sort of sits down to try and abridge the sequel, runs into legal issues because um, because he's made this author famous with this first one. Uh, he there, there's like an estate and he has to deal with the estate, and they've decided they want Stephen King to abridge it <laughs> instead. And then then he sort of turns into this whole thing where he's meeting with Stephen King and having arguments with Stephen King because. It turns out Stephen King's great uncle is Florinese and <laughs> it's all just, <laughs> it's all I've just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then he goes from there to actually bridging the first chapter of this book, which is clearly, because I think it was like this sort of first chapter thing was just written for the 25th anniversary of the first. Mm. And so he clearly, he sort of takes all the ideas from the first one and dials them up to a hundred um yeah like it, it just starts so ridiculously and and you know puts the old one to shame in terms of ridiculous uh, ridiculousness and then of course it's mostly just him cutting in with his abridges notes being like this is so over the top and stupid and and you know why am <laughs> i even doing this and, uh it's great uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's definitely i i mean it'd probably be hard at this point
0: the plot of it is buttercup and and uh wesley having a baby and then there's like a shadow man who's like coming to I don't know steal the baby or something. There's a lot of weird stuff.
1: Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it gets it gets very strange very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like the man has magic powers and stuff, which haven't really existed in the series until this point. <laughs> like he just sort of yeah. introduces magic powers. Um, yep. Yeah, it yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, I think, I think somebody it- would struggle to find an edition now that didn't include that because the you know even the 25th anniversary edition now is like going on over 15 years old so <laughs> yeah. um like you probably struggle to find a copy that
0: doesn't have that i reckon yeah but you know more stuff more stuff in this weird world yeah um cool uh awesome i'm I'm glad to hear you like it i, I like it a lot so i'm glad that it yeah that was able to share it with more people um no
1: definitely um yeah i mean this is just like I said, I think this book just celebrates storytelling and obviously we probably wouldn't be doing a podcast like this if we didn't enjoy stories, so didn't. yeah, exactly. it's probably a pretty easy <coughs> sell to <laughs> to people like that, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'd love to hear what you thought of the book, so please leave us some comments in the Reddit discussion threads, which can be linked in the show notes, which are, let me say that again, <laughs> down in the show notes below, in the description part of the podcast. 100% for sure. Yep, to our to our Reddit thread. It'll be there, I'm telling you. And then you can leave th- comments and, and we'll we'll take a look at them and we'll respond to them. Um, if you want to have more discussion about the book, uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook if you want to interact with the show. Um, or leave us a review on iTunes, which would be pretty helpful. Hey, you should do it. Uh, you can check out our website, which has links to do all of those things I just mentioned,
1: mm-hmm.
0: links to our discussion threads, ways to contact us, and all of our previous clues for the media MDARG. You can help us figure out just who is Dr. M.D. and why is his baby so big. Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this week's clue.
1: Ah, oh, sticky tape.
0: Mmm, sticky tape. we will see you next week.